Who feels like it would be really awesome if you just had an experience with the Lord this morning where you just knew he was speaking to you and he just said something radical that just shaked your life up a little bit? Would that be pretty cool? That would be awesome. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I'm telling you, you know, if if you haven't already had that kind of moment this morning, I, I know in worship, God was just speaking and moving in a lot of really special ways. But I'm thinking if you haven't already had that moment, God still got it for you. You know, I, I asked that question because I'm wondering, are we ready for an experience like that? God, God is ready for an experience like that, you know. And hey, don't look at me, OK? I'm not the one to give it to you. I'm going to get into the word here. I'm going to share what he's been speaking to me. But, you know, what makes the job of pastoring much easier is knowing that the Holy Spirit can speak to you in powerful ways. He can say something that's going to shake up your life. He can do something that would really speak to you in ways. If I carried that pressure, man, I'd be a sad, sad boy. But Because I can't do that. But what I can do is I, I can speak what I feel the Lord is telling me. And I believe that he's going to speak to every single one of us. We got hearts ready and open. He wants to say something that can shake us up a little bit. So y'all ready to be shook up? Okay, let's get shook up then. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Lord, that you're here, you're present, you're with us, and that you're speaking. Holy Spirit, we open our ears to you right now. We quiet ourselves, and we're listening to you. God, as, as we get into your scriptures, into your word, as we we reflect on this word that you've given me for this morning. Holy Spirit, perk our ears up to what you have to say. We want to listen to you. God, I thank you for drawing us closer to you, leading us in the way everlasting as we set our minds and our hearts on you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for it. We thank you for your presence here. Thank you for wanting to meet with us, for wanting to love us and, and commune with us, God. We're so thankful for that opportunity. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and we're here for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <sighs> Quick question before we get into the word. Who still has Christmas stuff up at their house? Year-round. All righty. <laughs> the... The outside of your house is a good storage spot for Christmas lights? Okay. Okay, so maybe you're leaving it up year-round. I don't know about you personally. Uh, the day after Christmas, I'm like, oh, why is this stuff still in my house? It looks so beautiful the day before, but after just one little day, it's like, oh, man, it just feels like a chore. But uh, who's already got it packed up? Anybody just day after, get it out of here. Cool. On to the next thing. Ready to go. <laughs> well, uh, it, I mean, we'll get into that here in a second. You know, let's just get into the Word. Okay, let's start there. I feel like that's a wonderful place to start. If you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. More light? You need some more light? Do we? Christy, would you be able to do that? Christy is a wonderful, talented human being, multi-talented. She can do so many things. And she's about to put on a strobe light effect so that the word will just pop for you, okay? She's going to make that happen for you, Ed. 
that that is coming soon. I know. I'm about to read these scriptures here. But if you if you don't have your Bible or if it's too dim, uh, if you have your phones, we also we have these scriptures and the notes up in uh, the Victory Life Church app. Look at that. Let there be light. Yeah, that's good. Thank you very much, Christy. You're the bestest. You really are. Uh, so, so we got some more light in the building. If, if you got your Bibles, you can read along. But if you don't, if you have your phone and you have the Victory Life Church app, quick plug for that. The notes are there and you can uh, follow along there as well. This morning, like Pastor Connor said, we're talking about a light has dawned. A light has dawned. You know, uh, all through this, this time, we whether you call it Advent or the Christmas season or whatever, I love that every single year we have this time of anticipation just building up, even if it's just one, one day that we're looking for, this whole moment and season that we're just building up, telling the same story but getting excited about it, anticipating what, what's this going to be like, how's it going to be different this year, and it just it makes it feel new and fresh and exciting. Uh, or at least it can if you really allow yourself to kind of get in that place. Maybe you're a Grinch and you just hate that. But but to me, it really can just build up so much anticipation and get so exciting about it. This And that's what we've been talking about, waiting for dawn to come. Well, now, so we're going to get into some prophecy here uh, from the prophet Isaiah that Jesus is fulfillment of, talking about how a light has dawned. So anyway, I'm, I've given away too much. Let's just read it. Isaiah 9, I'm going to start in verse 1, go into verse 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian." For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government, thank you, Jesus, will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I know that we just read a lot there and that there's some different pictures and imagery that maybe, you know, this the day of Midian and burning the the bloody war garments. There's maybe some things that are a little bit, feel a little distant, a little bit unfamiliar here. But truly what's going on here in, in Isaiah chapter 9 is centuries before the birth of Christ, God 
is prophesying through this person what's going to happen, what is to come, his savior, his salvation that's coming into the world. And the first picture that he gives of, of this son that's going to be born, that the government's going to be on his shoulders and he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, that he's, he's going to be God's salvation for the world. First thing he says is that on a people who walked in darkness, a light has shined. These people who are walking in deep darkness, on them a, a light has shined, a light has dawned on these people. And this is again centuries before the coming of Christ. And this prophecy is going to be mentioned again in the Gospels. And we're going to get to that by the end of the, the service here. But, but I just want to, to sit back and think and reflect on this, just how powerful it is that a people, you, and honestly, when we get to it, it's you and I who without God, otherwise just on our own, would just be walking in deep, deep darkness. On us, on you and I, we are here because a light has shined on the darkness of our lives. And that's in Jesus. You know, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, not because I'm some special person that reads the Bible all the time, and not because I know everything about God, and not because I have all the answers, but truly the reason why I'm standing here doing the job that I'm doing and God's given me the grace to do this, ultimately when it gets down to it, it's because I know that I'm a person who otherwise would just be in darkness and a light has shined on me. A light that I didn't have anything to do with. A light that I couldn't create for myself has shined into my life and I am so appreciative and I'm so thankful and I'm just enjoying the beauty of getting to walk in this light that shined into my darkness. And that, the, the, the reason why we've been going, we do an Advent series, we talk about waiting for dawn, is to cultivate this wonder and amazement of what this story actually means. What the birth of Christ actually means for the world. Because we can get into the stories, we can get into the specifics, talk about shepherds, talk about wise men, do our nativities, and it can just be a story. Or we can Allow the Lord to tell us and reveal to us that this story we're talking about is really a story about God's light shining into my darkness. And that, that changes everything. That, that truly changes everything. And so as I was reflecting on that, as I was thinking about that story and how this is a story truly about God's light shining in our darkness, I, th I, I asked myself the question, what just happened? And like, so the, the day after Christmas, sometimes it's like, what just happened here? Have you ever had a what just happened moment in your life? I'm going to go out on a limb and say every single person in this room has had a what just happened moment. This is what I mean whenever I talk about a what just happened moment. It's like, I know that whatever just happened in my life was really big and important, but I still have no idea what the implications are. This was huge. What just happened? So maybe you've graduated from high school. If you can think back to, to that moment, like this is big. The family came in. People came, we had this big ceremony. I moved to Tassel. This is a big deal. I'm out of high school now. What just happened? Right? What does this mean for me? What, where, where do I go from here? What do I do next? What, how is that going to change things? What do I do with it? And then you walk that out the rest of your life. Probably the biggest what just happened moment for me ever has been whenever I got married. And if you've been married, you 
feel that. Secondly, would probably be having kids. Because you know, this is huge. We just, in front of all of our friends, family, God, we, we made this covenant commitment to one another. And I know I want to do it. I know I, I want this woman for the rest of my life. I know that I'm in this. I, I, I'm making this decision. But at the same time, you're thinking, what did we just do? What just happened? Like, what does this mean? Now, now we're, we're, you know, living together and sharing a toothbrush sink. And, you know, what, what does this mean for us? How do we, how do we figure this out? What, what just happened? And for sure, on my word with kids, you, you see that like, this is great. This is awesome. And then the hospital says, yeah, you can take that child home. And like, it's all yours now. And you're like, what? What have we done? Even after nine months of preparing and like, okay, yeah, this is where we're going. What just happened? And that's what I started to think about as I was thinking about this story of Christ's birth. Because I know it's big. Y'all, uh, we've got people who are here at church in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, y'all want to be here. All right. We, we've got people who really know that Christ's birth is a big deal. And this has changed. You probably have a personal story. If you've come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and God of your life, then you, you know that this is big. You know that something crazy and spectacular happened in Christ coming to the world. But hopefully it leaves us with this question of what just happened here? Talking about Jesus being born in a manger and unto us uh, a child being given. What just happened? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for the world? What, how does this change things? What, what happens next? And I pray, I truly pray that no matter how long you've been a Christian, I pray this for myself too, no matter how long I've been a Christian, no matter how long I've known the Lord, I pray that, that reflecting on this story and so many other things that God has done, I hope that it always leaves me with this question of what just happened. Oh my Lord, what just happened here? What does this mean for me? What do I do with this? What are you, you going to ask of me now, God? And these what just happened moments, I know that it can be really good things. Sometimes it could be bad things. I can relate to that. Maybe you look back on 2020 and say, what just happened? What on earth? What just happened here? But it, it, again, it's these things that it, it changes things. And now we, we go and step onto the other side of it and see, how has this changed things? What does my life look like now? How is it different? What changes here? What just happened? And, and this is that. That's the question that God's given me here. What, what just happened here? What's going on? And, and it makes me think, okay, the story of Jesus, if I ask myself, what just happened? You know, God did something big here. Prophesied about it centuries ago. And this isn't the only prophecy about it. You know, there's so many prophecies centuries and centuries before to talk about the, the birth of this child, God revealing in angel choirs to shepherds and God speaking to, to people who aren't even a part of his chosen people from far off and pointing them through nature to go and find him, to give glory to him. God orchestrating all of these powerful things to make this huge, gigantic moment of him coming into the world happen. It, it so much just begs the question, OK, God, what, what does this mean for me? What are you doing here? What, what is this 
called me to do. And there's a, a couple things that as I was reflecting on this of what just happened, what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? A few things that the Lord put on my heart that I think would be so important for us as God's people. I think even in the stories, it calls us to a couple of things that to me go hand in hand. And if you and I, if we as a church can get these things right in response to Christ coming into the world, coming into our lives, if we can get these things right, our lives are not going to be the same because they're not supposed to be the same. That's a part of this. What just happened? God came to transform us. God came to shake things up. He came to, to help us live in light. God wants it to be different. Jesus is a transformer. He transforms us. And so things should be different here. So, but I, I feel like if we can get a couple of these things right, man, we're set up for such success going into this next year for ourselves, for our families, for this community, people seeing God's people be something different. I think it's really going to speak. It's really going to speak. So a couple of things that whenever I think, what just happened here? Where do we go from this? The birth of Christ, him coming into the world. What do I do with this? And these two words that the Lord put on my heart that I want us to dig into a little bit is I believe what, what happens next for us, where do we go from here, is to rejoice and to repent. I believe that from these things, what just happened, God wants to call us into deeper rejoicing, deeper repentance. Rejoicing and repentance. That, you know, those don't, they don't seem like they would be really good friends, those two words. But I'm telling you, I think that they're like peas and carrots, rejoicing and repenting. And, and truly, so <laughs> we'll, we'll just start with rejoicing here, okay? Peas and carrots, I don't know. They'll get together, right? We'll, we work with it. But they go together here. So we look even at the, the story of this of this birth, even in the prophecy here, Isaiah, what I just read to you in verse three says, you have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. That when this light is coming into the world, what's going to happen, what's going to be generated is joy and rejoicing, a celebration. That's what whenever the angels came to the shepherds, with this choir to announce that the Lord is born. They say, we bring you great tidings, good news, joy. That's what's coming here. Uh, as the, the Savior comes, whenever Jesus is born, what just happened? What do we do with this? Rejoice. Be glad. Celebrate. God wants us to celebrate in this. And, and here's... I, I, let me just give a quick disclaimer, okay? Back up for a second. Disclaimer. The word says to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. What I'm not about to say, everything I'm about to say to you is not pretend, fake it, plaster a smile on your face so that people don't know what's going on in your life. I'm not going to tell you to be fake. OK, just remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Now, fast forward back to where we were. God wants his people to be a people of rejoicing. God wants that to be a defining factor of us. If you go through the Psalms, this prayer book of the Hebrew people and now the, the Christian people, you and I, we are called to rejoice, to, to enter the Lord's gates with thanksgiving, to be glad, to, to be merry. God, God is 
He's called us to do this. And the fact that he has come into the world, that he was born, it, it draws us into a life of being joyful, being celebratory, rejoicing. You know, the, uh, my wife says this a lot. It's really, really great. She says, cynicism and complaining are not fruits of the Spirit. A lot of people would think like, well, I'm just, you know, calling them like I see them. And no, that, that you're not, we're not called to call them like we see them. We're called to call them like God sees them and, and to speak towards that. And, you know, and so whenever I think about rejoicing and being people who are defined by rejoicing, by celebrating, I think, look at our words. Look at your words. Look at what you're saying. All right, look at what you say about yourself. How do you talk about yourself? Is it always, man, I could be just a little prettier. Ah, I could be a little stronger. Ah, man, I've, I was just a little bit smarter. How are you talking about your family? How are you talking about your friends, the people close to you? The people who would say, man, this is my best friend, greatest person. We go so back, so far back. Just And then next minute, Oh, man, did you hear about Joe Bob? Terrible. Loser. Dragging me down all the time. Think about your words. And I know these are exaggerations, but honestly, like some of the closest, most dearest people in our lives are the ones that sometimes get the worst of our words. They get the worst of it. So what are our words saying? Because truly, I mean, our words create a reality. God spoke and the world existed. God spoke and light came to be. And he's given us authority in this world. And so our words mean something. Our words create. Our words start to shape and form our reality and how we see things and how we experience things, how people experience us. So what are our words saying? Are our words showing that we're people who are defined by rejoicing, defined by celebrating how good God is, how powerful it is that he's entered into our reality, how wonderful it is that he chose to come and shine his light into my darkness. Are our words talking about that? Are our words just speaking negatively over ourselves, over the people around us? What do your words say about Boswell? I just, I know this is a weird way of looking at it, but my mind just sees weird pictures sometimes. I think like as we're talking about the town of Boswell, it's like our Legos coming out of our mouth or is a flamethrower coming out of our mouth, right? Like, is, is what you're saying about the, the community that you live in, the country that you live in, our leadership, are the words that we're saying, are they, are they building up? Are they, are they speaking towards a reality that is building, that is rejoicing, that is celebrating how good God is and what his future can look like for us? Or is it just tearing down this, this town? Oh, just... Little old Boswell, little old Bennington, little old Soper, whatever. Are, are we just, are we tearing down? Are we destroying? Or are our words really speaking to being built up? Because that's a part of being def uh, a people defined by rejoicing. If God has come into this world, if, if what Jesus did was bringing his eternal, everlasting light to come take the government upon his shoulders, to usher in a time of everlasting peace under his leadership. If that's what he's come to do, man, our words should be talking some good news, right? Our words should be saying some beautiful realities that, that 
are what could be in God's world. You know, Jesus got onto his disciples one time because they were sitting around and talking about the fact that they had no bread. I was, he called this to mind for me during worship. I wish I could give you chapter and verse right now. Google it, okay. Yeah, but he gets on to his disciples because they're sitting around. And if you look, just like a chapter before, Jesus had like fed the 5,000 with just a couple loaves and fishes. And then his disciples are sitting here talking about the fact that they have no bread. And Jesus said, why are you sitting here talking about the fact that you have no bread? You could talk about the fact that you live in a small town. You could talk about the fact that you didn't come from a really great family. You could talk about the fact that you don't have this or you can't do that or you don't have enough money to make this happen. And you know what? Those are all going to be facts. You will be very factually correct. And you can pat yourself on the back for that. And you could live in that fact. But Jesus came and he showed us, he lived in front of us, a truth that was bigger than the facts. Because he said, why are you sitting here talking about the fact that you have no bread? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the truth. Y'all, I'm telling you, the truth of Jesus is bigger and better, more powerful than any fact of your life. So we can sit and we can be restrained and confined and bound by the facts of our life. But Jesus, he, just like he came to talk to his disciples, why are you talking about the fact that you don't have this, that you don't have that? Look who you're with. Look who's here. Look who has come. A light has dawned. Here I am. The bread of life is with you. Why are you talking about the fact that you have no bread? And so whenever I say like, what happens next? What do we do with this? What just happened? God wants us to be a people who rejoice. Because I'm telling you, it, in our community, in this congregation, we have, we have business owners who, who maybe have lots of money. We have people who don't have lots of money. We have people with great big families and big names. And we have people who are single, don't, whatever. Like It's all across the board and the facts can shift and change. But every single one of us, no matter the facts of our life, every single one of us have this light that has shined into our lives. God didn't give a, a special salvation to people who have a name and a second-rate salvation to people who don't. God gave us the exact same salvation, the exact same love, the exact same acceptance into His family. He gave us the exact same access to the exact same Holy Spirit that has the exact same power for every single one of us to be able to operate in, to commune with Him, to speak with Him. There's no second-rate Christians. And so we can rejoice. That, that, that's essentially what I'm trying to say, is that we can look at the facts of our lives, and it's, it's not really rejoicing to just base your happiness or your okayness on what you have or don't have. That's where the story of Jesus really comes in. It, the angels told the shepherds to rejoice. Mary was encouraged to, to rejoice, to be glad and of cheer. But you know what happened in Mary's life? Mary still had her baby in a barn. Mary still had to be a, a refugee right afterwards because they were trying to kill that baby that was born in a barn. Mary still had to go on the run. There were still challenges. The facts, a lot of the facts remained the same, but where the rejoicing was, was in the truth of who God is the truth of his light coming into the world and him using Mary to do it. 
that truth, it, it outweighed and it overshadowed the facts. And so don't base it, don't base it on what you have or don't have. Don't base it on what you can see. God is wanting us to, to see more than what our eyes are going to allow us to see. He wants us to see beyond. And you know, you can't rejoice in something that you're not beholding, that you're not aware of. You can't rejoice if you're not aware of it. And so that's a part of this. God wants us to become more aware of the things that we can't see with our eyes or perceive just with our physical senses. He wants us to become more aware of what he's doing and the truth of, of what's going on in his kingdom. That causes rejoicing. You can't rejoice over what you're not aware of. And so if you're not aware of the blessings that you have, if you're not aware of God's light shining into your life, make that your prayer starting in 2021. God, open my eyes to see how good you are. God, open my eyes to see how much light is really shining on me right now. God, open my eyes. Let me see what's going on in the kingdom. You know, Jesus encouraged his disciples, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of that is Open my eyes to see what's going on in heaven so I'll know whenever it's happening on earth. God, open my eyes. Let me see it. You can't rejoice in what you're not aware of. Just a fun story. Honestly, I don't know the story well enough to even be able to tell it all, but this is just fascinating to me. There's a story of a, of a singer named Rodriguez. Anybody know who Rodriguez is? There's a story of a singer named Rodriguez. He's from here in the United States in the 70s. He released like one record and it flopped it wasn't great and um oh i can't say it wasn't great it flopped though it flopped and he honestly just lived a lot of his life in obscurity recording this one record that didn't do much he was from detroit kind of wandered the streets a little bit nothing nothing huge now a continent away in south africa people got a hold of this record and it was huge. It was like, it was big. It was like all the rage, even like inspired people to fight against apartheid. Like it was big in South Africa, like led a movement. And there was this rumor in South Africa that Rodriguez had died. They thought he was dead. But they were all about this guy. So big. And then anyway, it's a cool story that where they come to find out he's alive and he finds out, I'm a big deal somewhere. And like, it was really, really cool. But I just think about that. And I think about Christians who like we could live our whole lives on the streets of Detroit, like not realizing, wow, this is we're living a big kind of life. Like God's doing something really cool and powerful. Look up Rodriguez. It's an interesting story for sure. But we could live our whole lives just not really knowing like, wow, this is a big deal. The a light has dawned in my life. And honestly, like Let's pray, God, let it dawn on me that a light has dawned on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's make that our prayer. God, reveal, open my eyes to see how big, how awesome this is. What just happened? Ask God, what just happened here? Show me, reveal it to me. And repentance. Repentance, like I said, these, these words are buddies. Repentance is not a four-letter word. Okay, and in our culture, we really do believe that it is. We, we don't make much room for repentance. If you see anyone say anything wrong who's got some kind of celebrity or following whatever, they will get canceled immediately. We're no longer ever going to listen to that person. They can't work in Hollywood ever again because they said one wrong thing that everybody else says we can't agree with, right? 
There's no room for repentance. There's no room for saying, I was wrong. I want to be shown the right way. And repentance truly, it, it becomes so scary because we feel like we have to like just crush ourselves and whip ourselves on the back if we're going to live lives of repentance. But truly, repentance means to change the way that we think and the way that we act. To change what we think and act. And you know what's so cool? Whenever the light has dawned, repent, that's where repentance and rejoicing can just live happily ever after together. Because whenever a light's turned on, obviously you're happy. You can see now. You know what's going on. And whenever a light's turned on, you can see the things that are wrong and you can change those things. So at the same time, it, ladies, anybody, guys too, I guess, anybody ever try to do their makeup in the dark? <laughs> I would guess that it... <laughs> don't point at anybody, okay? We're, I'm not asking you to call each other out here. But it doesn't really work. You can't really see what's right or wrong, what needs tweaking here and needs a little more something there. You can't see it. But whenever the light has dawned, whenever the light switch is turned on, you can see what's going on. That gives us the beautiful opportunity. Y'all, repentance is a beautiful gift from God. It's a beautiful reminder that I don't have to be right all the time. It's a beautiful reminder that, yeah, I have darkness on my own, but I have a king who is right, who is the wonderful counselor. Some people don't see a need for a wonderful counselor in their lives. They're good just on their own. Some, some people don't need a prince of peace because they're trying to rule their own life. But repentance is this beautiful thing that reminds us, yes, on my own, I can't handle this. I can't do this. I need someone to guide me through. I need someone to walk me through. And if I can just look to him, then he can be the one that says, change this, alter that, change the way that you're thinking here, change the way that you're acting over here. And it doesn't have to be this big, bad boogeyman of like, I have some big, huge, hidden sin. You know, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, I believe it's first one, verse 1. You can Google that as well. But in Hebrews 12, it says that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw away every weight that holds us back, especially the sin. So it says, let us throw away every weight, especially the sin that clings so closely. And I think about it, we have, you, there are weights in our lives that aren't necessarily sin. Not, not everything that holds you back is, is necessarily sin, but if you're walking with the Lord, if you're at, talking with Him, if you're asking God to open my eyes, then He might ask you to tweak something that maybe it's not necessarily sin, maybe it's not something that's just going to destroy your life, but if you just went this way a little bit more, then it's, it's closer, it's, it's more on the path that He wants you to be on. It doesn't have to be this big, dark thing, but you know, if, if you have nothing in your life to rejoice over, that's the time to ask God, open my eyes. If you have nothing in your life to repent over, that's a good time to ask God to open your eyes. God, what, what is there? Um, in, the, in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139, the psalmist says, try me, know my hearts, know my heart, know my mind, know my thoughts, and see if there be, praying to God, asking God, see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me on the way everlasting. The, that prayer just has such a heart of humility and repentance to say, God, even if I don't see it, 
I can't see what I can't see. But you know my heart. You try me. You see what's in there. And God, if there's anything in there, reveal it to me. Show me. Lead me on your way everlasting. It, it could be minor things. It could be such small things. Rhonda this morning was talking to me like, hey, just I'm, I think a lot about the TV that I watch, you know, and just what, what, what's, what's coming into me? Like, what am I getting into my mind? And it might not be some super big sinful thing, but honestly, if the Holy Spirit is nudging you in a direction, follow it. Follow what he's saying. And it, it might not be cutting off this gigantic sinful thing, but it's just changing the way that I think a little bit, changing the way that I act a little bit, being led down this road of everlasting life that I didn't pave. Somebody else blazed the trail. And if I'm going to follow him, it means that I'm going to take some steps here or there that I didn't make the decision, that I didn't, I'm not the one who's blazing this trail, but I'm following the one who did. And I wanted to, I told you I was going to get to the gospel here. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, this is what's so cool. Like I said, they go, they go hand in hand. Jesus has come to the Jesus has come to the earth and there is rejoicing all through the story, the Christmas nativity story. There's rejoicing. We rejoice because of this. Well, here's what happens. Matthew chapter four. I'm going to slow down here a little bit. Matthew chapter four. They're about to quote what we just read from the prophet Isaiah. Uh, Sorry, chapter four. We're going to start in verse 12. So Jesus had just uh, come out of the wilderness from his temptation. He's being led by the Spirit. He's about to start his ministry here. And we're about to hear some words from the prophet Isaiah. And then I want us to really pay attention to the next thing that Jesus says from there. So starting in verse 12. Now, when he heard, this is Jesus, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Jesus's, if you could put his whole message in a nutshell, which is exactly what the gospel writer is doing here, putting all of Jesus's message in a nutshell It's here that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's in our grasp. It's right here next to us now. So repent. So repent. Not the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So pat yourself on the back. Tell yourself that you're feeling really great. God loves you and just go on about your business. No, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's among us. It's with us. So yes, rejoice. The light has dawned. And repent. The light has dawned. Whenever the light shines on darkness, you see the things that aren't as they should be. And you ask the one who sent the light, who has the only power to change those things, to help you to change those things. So repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm telling y'all, 
I believe truly this is what I want to focus on even for myself. If we can get these things right in 2021, as we, we come into this next year, I feel like this is the, the way for us to go. If I can truly pray this prayer of God, open my eyes. What can I be rejoicing about? What can I be celebrating right now? God, change my words to really be building up, affirming, being thankful for all that you've given me so that my world starts to be formed in a way that truly is happy and ecstatic about what God has done and will do. And if I can make this simultaneously my prayer, God, open my eyes, see if there's any ickiness in here. Look at my heart, see what's there. Show me the things that I don't know are there and God, lead me in your way. Help me to repent. Help me to change the way that I think and act so that I can live a life that is transformed by you. The most succinct way to put it, uh, John the Baptist said, I need to decrease, he needs to increase. Let's make that up. That's repentance. That's repentance. That's changing the way I think and act to, to model him. God, may we decrease and may you increase, and we're going to celebrate that. Because as we decrease, as Victory Life Church decreases and he increases in us, man, th this light that has dawned on our lives, this light that we have seen, is going to become more and more apparent and evident in this, this whole town, this whole surrounding area. People will see that a light has dawned, and man, that's the kingdom expanding. That's, the king that's other people. Think about the people right now that are just walking in darkness, that know nothing but darkness. Nothing but just death, destruction, partying one weekend to the next, just living for the next high that doesn't get them as high as they wanted it to get them. And it just feels like this never-ending hamster wheel of same old, same old, just living in darkness. Think about that. And think about if they could see something in the church that, that looks like, celebration looks like rejoicing looks like a party because the light has come and looks like not just doing all the stuff that you just want to do in your flesh but a true life of repentance and modeling your life after christ and i i truly believe as the world sees that this light that has dawned on us is gonna dawn that all over the world all over everybody that's what the lord wants for it so that's my encouragement for us this morning, that the light has come. Jesus has come. It's done. He even said on the cross, it's finished. And so if that has happened, what do I do with this? What just happened? Where do we go from here? Let's live lives of rejoicing in what God has done, what he's going to continue to do. And let's live lives of repentance. God, what do you want different here? What do you want to change? What do you want to tweak? And my last thing I just want to leave with you, I've, as I've been praying about this next year, I really do believe that the Lord is leading us to, I, I just hear the Lord saying that he wants to unlock stuff in, in every single person. I believe anybody associated at all with this church, I think he wants to unlock something for you. He wants to unlock new parts of me in, in my role as a father and a husband and a pastor, whatever. I think that God wants to unlock new things of me, parts of me that, that I didn't know existed, that I didn't know I could do, but he wants to reveal, hey, I've got something for you that, that is even bigger, better than, than what you've done in the past. I think that's true for everybody here. 
I think if you look over your life, I truly believe that God wants to unlock something in you. I think God wants to open up a, a new kind of door, a new aspect of yourself that you just maybe didn't know was there. And I really want us as a church to walk that out together. Because as we unlock new things, sometimes that looks a little messy. Sometimes it gets kind of awkward because it's new. It's different. But I want this to be a place where people can feel free and ready to be unlocked. And so I would ask you, too, to pray about that. God, what do you want to unlock in me? What new thing do you want to bring out of me? What do you want to do here? What do you want to unlock? And let's, let's seek that out together. Let's see what the Lord wants to do with that. Because I, I really do believe that he wants to unlock all over the place. New stuff. I want new people leading worship. Not, uh, I want Billy and Sarah to do it as well. But I want more people leading worship. I want more people welcoming people. I want more people leading life groups. I want more people on the prayer teams. I want more people doing the work of ministry, not because there's all kinds of jobs to do around here, but because I want people unlocking and experiencing what may have been lying dormant in the past. I want people just unlocked living their lives. I want more people doing outreaches in the community. I want I want all kinds of stuff. But, but I, what I want to see is I want to see what God wants to unlock. Okay. So anyway, let's, let's pray about that. Um, yeah, if you would bow your heads, I want to welcome uh, prayer teams that we have for this morning. Uh, anyone who, who's on a prayer team, if you would come up just to be ready uh, after service here. But Real quick, before anything else, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, I just want to make a little bit of time in this moment right now to, uh, as we're talking about Jesus, the, the Savior of the world, coming to this earth and this light dawning. If you are here this morning, you think, you know what? That sounds like a really cool story, but I really don't feel like that light has dawned on me quite yet. I haven't acknowledged Jesus to be this wonderful counselor, to be the prince of peace, to be the savior of the world that the scriptures are telling me that he is. I haven't made that declaration in my life and I want to do that right now. I want to walk in the light. I want this light to shine into my darkness. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I, I really don't want to drag you in front of everyone and make a big show. I really just want to pray with you this morning. Okay, then what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to be thankful and rejoice in the fact that everyone in this room has made that decision, has made Jesus the Lord of their lives, has decided to let that light shine into their darkness. I'm going to be thankful for that. And so what I want to do is just speak a prayer over, over all of us. If you would, if you just want to posture your heart right now in a place to receive I'm just going to open my hands to the Lord to receive this gift. God, I thank you that your light has shined in my darkness. I thank you, God, that you, you know me. You know my heart. You know what's in there. You know that I'm in my, on my own by myself, undeserving of all of the good gifts that you've poured out on me. And God, I'm just saying nothing but thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God, we're so thankful for your gift. We're so thankful for your life that you've given to us. 
so thankful for shining your light into our darkness, God. You are so, so good. Help us to live lives of rejoicing. God, open our eyes right now from this point forward. Open our eyes to your miraculous that's going on. Open our eyes to the gift that's in our families, that's in our friends, that's in our community, the time, the place that we've been put on this earth. Give us hearts of thanksgiving for what you've given us. And Lord, open our eyes to those things. Lord, as you know our hearts, see if there be any wicked way, any grievous thing in us. Help us, lead us down this road of repentance so that you can shape us, mold us, transform us. Because we want to look like you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that our lives would be defined by rejoicing and repentance because of what you've done, Jesus, our Lord and King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, if you need anything, if you need prayer over anything, I want to encourage you to come to the front. Don't leave this morning without having somebody agree with you uh, for what you need. And remember, God wants to unlock. So this time next year, maybe uh, you need to be the person down here praying for somebody else, okay? Just think about that. But before you leave, uh, come and receive prayer if you need it. If you would stand, I just want to speak a, a blessing over you. I pray that the Lord would direct, that he would guide your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.